0: From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 419, Modern Public Folders, with guest Peter Schmidt, recorded Thursday, April 16th, 2015. Run As Radio is produced each week by PWOP Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com
1: you can follow us on twitter at twitter.com/runasradio
0: Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. And thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Today, my guest is Peter Schmidt, who works as an infrastructure architect and consultant at EGAS in Denmark. And his job is to engage people and companies in evaluating and adopting new technologies and to help them plan, design and implement those technologies. He has more than 15 years of experience as an infrastructure architect and consultant working in exchange since version five. That's going to leave some scars. And the last couple of years has been working on the cloud computing technologies like office three sixty five Welcome, sir. thank you and you had to remind me that you were on the show back in twenty eleven yeah it's uh, it's been a while yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's a couple hundred shows ago, that's for sure, yeah, exactly and boy, exchange five, there's some pain for you. That's a
1: long time ago. Yeah,
0: when Active Directory was young and new, and they weren't quite sure how to work with it, there was all that interesting set of problems.
1: Yep, that were the days,
0: and that's back when they still thought public folders were a good idea.
1: Yeah, I guess it was, mm-hmm. but um, somehow it uh, for for some scenarios it still can be. I think. But um,
0: do you think so? I mean, that's it because generally speaking, Microsoft's been pretty hostile to, uh, to public folders ever since.
1: Yeah, it depends on the usage scenario i guess
0: all right i i'm fascinated talk to me what's the right way to use public folders
1: today well if we look back at let's say exchange five 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 or the days of public folders right um, I, i guess all the pains on public folders that were created back then was probably because most users just filled the public folders with whatever they could
0: yeah it became their file storage
1: Yeah, more or less. And, and, and it was the place to collaborate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that has definitely changed uh, for, for the, for the better, I think. Um, We have a lot of great new tools to help us with that today. One of them could be SharePoint and other tools could be exchanging collaborating data using OneDrive or something like that
0: yeah there's a ton of stuff out there today i i have a lot of folks that are fascinated by slack i'm not that guy but even i'm working with some externals with trello and things like that like there's just a ton of ways to try and and collaborate with data but i mean outlook exchange was the original and i i would argue still one of the most used
1: yeah I, i agree on that um well uh but then again, about the scenario with the public folders, mm-hmm. I, I think most certain organizations probably have a hard time getting completely rid of public folders. Right. But, but for the usage scenario, I think there are a few places where public folders give organizations benefit. And, uh, the, Microsoft did a lot of work to enhance public folders and also a lot of work to to make public folders actually work in Office 365. Right. And
0: and is there sort of breaking changes in the latest version of Exchange when it comes to public folders as well? Like 2013 is different?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, That is definitely the place where Microsoft took the step and actually did something with the public folders. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could say they completely uh, re-architectured the the way public folders work. And uh, it's probably also why it's now referred to as as modern public folders. Right.
0: As opposed to legacy public folders. So everything pre-2013 is now legacy. That must be legacy, yes. (laughs) Okay. Yep. All right. So what's the big difference like what you know from in my experience the challenge with public folders as an administrator is it just gets so big and there's no easy way to triage them down to get people to start taking stuff out of them
1: yeah that that's probably the big issue uh more or less always uh, getting users to actually clean up but um, but then again is it really needed because storage is so cheap nowadays yes uh, so compared to the, the time and the value of, of the employees in the organization spending time of cleaning up their mess in public folders or even mailboxes, uh, contrary to their, their value of their time in, they could spend on other stuff in the organization. I'd say just add some more storage and. Right.
0: But the, the, the constraining resource is network. And so, you know, keeping the synced copy on the workstation at a reasonable size when when people are stuffing gigs and gigs of files into public folders and then expecting a local copy all the time—that's when it's not so much the disk space as it is the amount of time it takes to sync it.
1: Yeah, it it will probably end up to to be the issue in the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, from from the user perspective, nothing actually changed on the on the modern public folder side. For, for, for the users, it's is what they've been used to. It's more or less on the uh, on the back end for the uh, administrator, for people like us working with the back end, mm-hmm. where, where you definitely see a, a change in, in how public photos is set up and even managed. Okay, so what's the differences here? Well, the main difference is um, we used to have our mailbox databases, And our public folder database. Right. Now we just have databases in exchange. Right. And then we have mailboxes within those databases. But now we can have public folder mailboxes within our database. So they're just a kind of mailbox. It's basically just a mailbox. Yeah. Okay. And, and you just, you can have one public folder mailbox, or you can have multiple public Mm -hmm. folder mailboxes. That basically depends on the amount of data you have in your public folders.
0: So do you size them by topic or by access rights? Like which, how many do you make?
1: Well, you you usually, the recommended way of doing it is is sort of sizing it or quota, setting a quota for your public folder mailbox. Mm Mm-hmm so it's in the end definitely manageable by, by backup restore scenario right uh, so
0: really it's it's this is all about size
1: then yeah it it is in the end yeah,
0: yeah so uh, but I, the, and then i can sort of see like break it up by chronology this is the 2013 public folder this is a 2014 but if it gets too big in in a given year Maybe a break by month, maybe a break by topic area. Like, there's a bunch of ways you could try and granularize that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. The, the recommended uh, quota is setting each public folder mailbox to uh, 50 gig in size.
0: Okay, 50 gig is a lot. That's that not, not that a trivial amount.
1: I know it's uh, for for a lot of organization. That's a lot of of data in, in the public folders.
0: And I'm not. I don't sync that to the user, right? There's, I'm not trying to hold that 50 gig anywhere.
1: No, because the way the users tend to use public folders is that they probably have access to one or a few uh, certain folders within it, the public folder hierarchy. And, and if they want to set up something that they need to have favorized in, in Outlook, that's their folders that they, they're working with. Right, and not the complete public solar hierarchy. Yeah, you would hope they would only take the pieces that they need. Yeah. Hope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah hope. I, I tend to think that uh, that's the way people work anyway. So, of course, you would definitely see exceptions out there, but uh, I think they're rare.
0: Yeah, you, yeah, I mean, I'm going to presume that people are trying to do the right thing. They just, you know, sometimes they think they need more data than they really need. Yeah, that's correct.
1: But but you in the end there could also be organizations to actually have a lot more than 50 gig. Sure. In size, uh, I've seen a few of those. So.
0: And there's no reason like you're allowed to have more than 50 gig in a public folder. You just shouldn't.
1: Uh, you're allowed to, but uh, well, depends on if you're actually using Exchange Online, the Office 365 version. Oh, okay. Or if you're using the on-prem version. Right. So if it is online, have a hard cap. Yeah, the online is is different here because okay. the online is set up with something called auto split. Mm-hmm. So when you reach your warning quota of fifty gig, mm-hmm. your public folder mailbox is, is automatically split into an extra additional public folder. So the system creates a new public folder mailbox for you. So you actually has instead of one you you're getting two public folder mailboxes. Right. It it just keeps continuing actually.
0: And they bill you for each folder, too. So, you know, you are incurring costs for that.
1: Yeah. In, in the end, I, I can't remember the details in uh, in the licensing part of, mm-hmm. of the public folder boxes, But, uh, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it, this is good stuff, really. It's just a question of managing it. How do you uh, assign privileges to it? Can, how granular can I get for what user
1: can access what in a public folder? Yeah, well... the the, the permissions on the public folder level is like it it's always been actually right so you you got the acl uh, where you have your public folder hierarchy so so you have the hierarchy of a lot of different folders that you or your users grade uh, and and that's where you set the permissions right
0: so it's just like any file system i can assign rights to files i can assign rights to folders and so on
1: yeah, it's quite similar to to the way people handle files servers a file.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, and there's since it's just a separate mailbox, then that I still have data access groups and all those sorts of things. So you could just treat it like a mailbox.
1: Um, what do you mean about data access groups? With DAGs, like the the, uh, the, the
0: yeah, the, database the,
1: availability groups.
0: Database yeah. availability groups. Sorry. <laughs> yep. I've used the wrong acronym.
1: <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, well, about public folders uh, uh, compared to DAX, um, it's it's actually where we see a lot of changes mm-hmm. uh, again in the modern public folders. In in, in the legacy public folders or the early days of public folders, we, we had the public folder replications. So all the replication between multiple rep- public folder databases was handled by public folders themselves based on public folder replication. Right. Uh, and that could really be a pain to work with. Um, with the change in the architecture, so actually now we just have the public folder mailbox, we, we can benefit of the high availability we have in Exchange 2013, like the database availability group. Right. So when we have certain databases set up, in a database availability group, well, it doesn't matter if we have mailboxes and public folder mailboxes in the same database because the architecture behind it is, is more or less the same now. So basically it works the same way as we used to with mailboxes in a DAG.
0: Oh, cool. Well, when well, that just makes everything simpler, right?
1: It makes it a lot simpler for the administrator. Uh, and it, it's definitely also easier to handle the replication and, and especially the high availability of your public folder environment.
0: Although generally speaking, most administrators I know do not allow 50 gigabyte mailboxes. No,
1: that that's probably right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although, I mean, okay. So we make an exception for these, can you do that? Is are there are the same mailbox rules applied to, to public folder mailboxes as they are to regular uh, mailboxes?
1: No, it's different. Okay. But it, it, depending on on the setup or, or the architecture, you you can designate a, a dedicated database for your public folder mailboxes right. if, if that's what you want. You want to keep it away from everything else. Yeah, if if that makes sense for your organization when you start doing the architecture, you you can definitely do that. Right. But uh, but that's again one of the flexibilities of having public folder mailboxes nowadays because you you can treat them more or less like you do with mailboxes. You you could also have organizations that definitely have different quotas or sizing of mailboxes. Mm-hmm. Like some have VIP mailboxes, others sort of have uh, let's say workers mailboxes. When you you can have organizations that tend to have let's say a few different quotas on the on the mailboxes right and public follow mailboxes are are no different in in an organization like that then
0: and you can have a separate backup strategy for these mailboxes separate from the the regular mailboxes as well although you could do it all together too because it's just a just a dag
1: yeah if if that makes sense you could do that
0: yeah what do you, is there a preferred method what's the right way to go about backing up these
1: public folder mailboxes um, well I don't think there is a preferred way because it again it depends on 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 the backup strategy of of each organization but, right and again often depends on what backup service or or software you actually use because some of them like the dpm it's if you actually do continuous backup, it really doesn't matter if you want to split out the public folders to only do backup once a week because with the continuous backup, it it wouldn't make sense.
0: You have the DAG for live backup anyway. It's just some yeah. folks want to have a separate copy.
1: Yeah. Some, yeah. And if if that's the requirement you have, you definitely have the flexibility of doing it.
0: Absolutely. Uh Give me one second, Peter, here while I pay the bills because Run As Radio is brought to you by Script Rock, the makers of Guardrail and the fighters of Configuration Drift. Configuration Drift happens in every environment from 5 nodes to 5,000. Guardrail will find and scan the configs of every node in your environment, no matter the platform, and alert you to changes happening across machines. Give it a try for three months free with the coupon code RUNASRADIO, all one word, at scriptrock.com slash runasradio. Do public folders appear any different in this modern version? Are they just part of Outlook as well? Do I have them in OWA? Like, is there anything different there?
1: From the user perspective, uh, nothing has changed. Okay. Uh, in, in the way they see the public folders and the way they work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a user, you have them available in, in Outlook. Um it, of course, you need to to run a, a newer version of of Outlook. Right. Uh, since, since we're talking Exchange twenty thirteen, users uh, will probably be on a Outlook twenty ten or Outlook twenty thirteen. But it is compatible with Outlook two thousand seven for for those. Yeah, still but life's but too
0: short to run two thousand seven. Get upgraded. You make your life better.
1: Yep, <laughs> uh, I agree. <laughs> and a new version version of Office is just around the corner as well. So.
0: Yeah, we're coming up on yet another one as well, and of course, this all leads to the cloud too. If you want to go there,
1: yeah, uh, that's true, and and that's also one of the changes with with this new public folder architecture or modern public folder. That's mm-hmm. actually now it's it's supported in in Office three sixty five. So.
0: And is the hybrid mode okay? Like, I can see some organizations being okay with their mailboxes being up in the cloud, but might want to keep all of those files on-prem. Mm,
1: yeah, but uh can't remember the details. So I, I believe we can do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the hybrid exchange mode is kind of a. I just feel like once you've had Exchange on prem, getting it fully off premise is fairly hard. Most of the organizations I've worked with that have started moved into the cloud with this stuff, they always end up with some stuff still at home for at least, at least for an extended period. You know, there's a we'd like to ex- eventually get all Exchange online, but it's not that easy.
1: No, I agree on that. It, it takes some time, and it's definitely a migration project, like. Everything else, so Sure,
0: yeah. and yeah, and, and you know, maybe Greenfield will start out all online. But if, if anybody with an existing infrastructure lives in hybrid, for as far as I have not had anybody actually turn off everything uh, on prem yet. Um, no, uh, I
1: have had a few.
0: Oh, have but, you? Uh, Good. Yeah. I'm glad to know it's happening, Peter, because it hasn't happened for me.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> But again, with public folders, what's important to know is, is migrating from your legacy. Right. Getting
0: the, taking the old 2010 folders or 20, 2007 folders and moving them into this 2013 mode.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cutover process. So it's, it's more or less uh, since, and since your mailboxes need to be on the new version of Exchange before they can uh, actually support modern public folders. So it's the last thing you would do in a migration process. It's moving or migrating your public folders to to modern public folders.
0: And one of these things is going to be having to granularize it down to the appropriate size.
1: Yeah, that's uh, one of, probably say, best practices is to to take the time to actually evaluate on on the content you have and getting it cleaned up so you can minimize the content you actually have to migrate. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Get rid of duplicates. Many, many duplicates.
1: For, force the users to, uh, to clean up in the process or or you as an admin actually go in and, and do some digging and, and clean up as, as as much as you probably can. Right. And then uh, is there anything
0: special in the migration process? It's just a wizard?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's special, and it's not a wizard, no. No? It's... Uh, Purely PowerShell. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so, well, I, was good, I should have said that. It's just a yeah. PowerShell script, right? Everything's just a
1: PowerShell script now. Yeah, it's it is definitely PowerShell based, not not just one script. Right. It's it's a process of uh, of PowerShells, uh, commandless and scripts. So so basically you you're doing sort of an, an analysis with PowerShell scripts mm-hmm. of the old environment. And then based on the data you're getting, you, you're you telling the system, either if it's uh, a new on-prem version of Exchange 2013, or right. if it's the uh, Exchange Online, you're telling what folders you want to migrate.
0: And you have to do them all, right? Or anything you leave behind, you're throwing away? This is a cutover?
1: It's a cut so anything you leave behind is thrown away. You, okay. you can, the, based on the analysis you get, you can um, go in and and sort of scan your work in Excel. You you are getting a CSV file based on the analysis you are doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: with the folders you have and the permissions and all that, and then you can uh, s- sort of set up which folders you want to have. Migrated to a certain public folder mailbox. Mm-hmm. So actually, in the migration process, if it makes sense for you to have three public folder mailboxes, you can create those three public folder mailboxes and set up in your migration script that you wanna where you want the data located.
0: Right. So you're basically pointing to different 20, 2007 and twenty ten public folders, to saying, okay, these ones go into this twenty thirteen folder. And is it just purely by size, or this could be some kind of taxonomy that you've organized it by?
1: Yeah, that would probably be depend on, on the organization, I guess. Right. But uh, some t- tend to do it by size.
0: And we are talking about this is an on-prem migration at this point versus an online migration?
1: Yeah, but the process is more or less the same. Okay. Uh, but it's script-wise. Uh, you, you, you could say you're extending your scripting process uh, in the online version with, with connecting with, with the scripts and commandlets needed to, to do a remote PowerShell session into Exchange Online. Right. Uh, and, and when you have that in place, the process is, is more or less the same.
0: Okay. And I, I mean, this is going to be gigs of data. So I got to think it takes a
1: while. It definitely takes a while. <laughs> it, 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 it does. And uh, certainly also in, in the on-prem.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would hope if it's on prem, I've got new 2013 servers in a rack nearby the old 2010 servers, say, and it's at least gigabit connectivity between them, but, you know, which should be better than online. But is it, is this a, are you actually like drive bound or is there a, a lot of logic involved here?
1: It, well, on, in the, uh, in the on prem, it, it's, it's, it's of course it's faster than than doing it soon online, no doubt about that. Right. But, uh, it it comes down to networking, I guess, more or less. And of course the how how affected you are, uh, how much load you actually have on your Exchange environment, because right. at that at that point you probably also you already have your mailboxes moved to Exchange twenty thirteen, so.
0: Yeah. So the 2010 bot ma- machines are probably not that busy. And I was going to say, so you better run this at night, but I bet this runs a whole day easy.
1: Could, depending on, on the data, it could run for, for days, days, maybe a week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and are you offline with the public folders while this is going on?
1: Yeah, it, it, uh, again, it depends on data. Um, so I so, really
0: want to pick one folder at a time, take that one offline, do the transfer for it, but it's not going to come back online until we cut over.
1: No, no, it's not. Basically, what, what you're doing in the process, you, you can do sort of begin the migration. So basically, we start copying the hierarchy, we start copying the content, and, and we can do that while people are still using the Exchange, let's say Exchange 2010, Public folders, right. So when we are ready to do the final steps in this, we can we we need to log out users from the public folder right uh, environment on Exchange 2010 so because we we cannot allow any changes to the environment when we're doing the final migration. While we're actually migrating, and, yeah. So, <sighs> yeah, so last, I mean, this is what's
0: the painful step. part, right? You could be without those folders for days.
1: Yeah, but if, if you're doing it uh, for days, I would say you have a pretty big public folder environment. Yeah.
0: This gives you the incentive to, to trim this down as much as possible, even to pull, pull your essential data out of public folders and into file shares somewhere so that you could sort of thin all this out as much as possible.
1: Yeah. It, it it's a benefit to do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No kidding. I mean, that's it's an interesting discussion. I I can imagine the look on the faces of the of the users. We go, so we're gonna lose those public folders for a week. You sure you're cleaned
1: everything out of them?
0: You know, in some ways they'd be cleaning them up just because they're gonna hoard the data they feel they're gonna need that week.
1: Yeah, but 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 since we are able to do a bit of that delta migration, yep, people are not locked out doing a whole week. Right, the, the copying process can take a whole week, but right. we, since we only lock them out in the finalization process, where we kind of copy the last bits and make sure that no one can touch the old environment, right? It, it will probably trim down to maybe hours.
0: Hours. So, you, the whole process might run for a week, but most of that is just setting up the hierarchy, putting everything in place, and so forth. It's only when you actually start transferring the bits that you start locking things off.
1: Yeah, uh, not, yeah, the last pieces, because we, we, it's sort of a delta migration. Right. We, We can, we copy most of the content and, and then it, it sort of suspend in the end. Okay. And, and then we decide on a certain time which is the most appropriate for, for doing the logout. Right into public folders sort of the and
0: same it, way that virtualization works right where it actually kicks it into a mode where it's just storing the deltas copies the vast majority of it then sinks the deltas and then cuts over
2: so yeah maybe, it, maybe not
0: quite it, that lean but somewhere along
1: there yeah it, the process could look a bit like it yeah mm-hmm.
0: but it is in the fine so you've got the begin migration doesn't lock stuff out yeah it's the finalized migration that does that's correct, yes. Okay. And so there is good this is definitely something you want to test a couple of times.
1: It is and and unless you 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 have the possibility of actually doing a rollback if if this doesn't look good because in this process you can sort of enable certain users to right. actually see the new <laughs> environment. And you can get them to validate that everything looks okay,
0: right? And you're not—it's this can't be destructive to the source either in the process, I imagine.
1: No, it is not destructive in in any way because it's it's just a copying process.
0: Okay, yeah. So and that's the way you want to do it. So it's just copied across. If something goes, you have still got the source files. If something goes terribly wrong or people have concerns, you know, it's going to take time for them to figure out the hierarchies and things. But for the most part, you should be fine. Yeah.
1: that's that's true
0: now am i being optimistic i don't even know anymore
1: (laughs) there there are always uh, some pains in in the migration process but basically it it seems easy and the process is is easy when you narrow it down and maybe if you try it and tested it fairly uh doing the planning process but um there, there are always some issues or corrupted items and stuff that doesn't really work or is broken.
0: Um, I mean, that's one of the truths, right? You're going to walk everything, which means you're, if there's any problems, you're going to hit them.
1: Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. And, and you could end up in, well, you, you're probably managing very old data in here. Yes. Because it, if it, this is from the days of exchange five, five or something, Mm-hmm. People have data lying around in the public photos that some organizations haven't touched for a very long time. Yeah, for so. months or years. Like it's it's, it's, it's there's yeah. no
0: incentive to clean up old data. It just sits there.
1: Yeah, nobody wants to take the responsibility of yeah. actually cleaning it out, so
0: no, it all, the only does. there's almost no benefit and there's substantial risk of losing things that are important.
1: Yeah. So it's easier just to leave it. Nice. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, that's sort of the reality of these things, but it's good to know, you know. F- well, there's been a, generally a noise around. We have to get away from public folders. Th- to have the the current latest version of Exchange with a, a substantial improvement to public folders is is really kind of good news.
1: Um, it is because what what Microsoft tends to point towards is uh, has been in, in also the past is uh, use SharePoint or something, for right? Actually, with Exchange 2013, we, we, we get new tools to do a lot of the new collaboration work. So I think something that the organization needs to, to put into the planning process of, of migrating their public folders to modern public folders would also be to actually evaluate the features like site mailboxes or the way they actually use normal shared mailboxes because if they look into how we used legacy public folders in the day of exchange 55 exchange 2000 right i think a lot of organizations used public folders for it
0: yes But i mean i remember back then that we were encouraged to use public folders i i always felt like it was one of the things that got us so locked into exchange is that this was with Outlook, your information source for the organization.
1: Yeah, it was, and I think that's also why it kind of exploded sure. in most organizations, uh, especially in the hands of of the admins who were trying to to manage or cope with these public folders. Uh, Absolutely, because the users were told to use them just as as you described. So they put everything in the public folders yeah. because well, it, it, it at that point it made made a lot of sense um but but not from the back end perspective because of course the users didn't see how how much a pain it actually was to manage these public focus
0: yeah and and we didn't know at the time it just grew into that and we just keep getting better with it well yeah uh, peter i really appreciate your viewpoint on this if folks want to learn more where should they
1: be going Well, uh, I think still think one of the best places is, is the resources and and the documentation for uh, modern public folders uh, on Microsoft TechNet. And uh, there are, if they want to have a more visual input, there is uh, a lot of great videos on on channel nine as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, modern public folders on channel nine is a great resource. Yeah and uh, there's also uh, I I did a presentation on on Nickconf. Yes. The Nordic Infrastructure Conference in in Oslo uh, a few months ago and uh, on nickconf.com they have the videos from 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 that conference out there so uh uh in in, in my presentation I walked through the architecture and and demoed uh, how to migrate. I will make sure I put a
0: link to that talk so folks can take a look at it.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: All right, Peter Schmidt, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was a
0: pleasure. And we'll talk to you next week on run As Radio.